Well, good morning, everybody. Um, we are in the series of Wahini, which means women. And obviously, this is the third Sunday, so we had a panel and we had Pastor Enns uh, talking about, about women. And so now it's my really privilege to share something, um, something of my journey, but also to give hope to all of us today uh, what God can do because he's never lost a battle. Amen. All right. So I'm going to step aside. For, uh, for those who don't know you, Yalta and me grew up together, obviously uh, in different families, but we came from the same town, uh, from the same sort of groupings of families, and we went to the same kindergarten, to the same primary school, and uh, I'm going to prove it to you. So this is, uh, you know how those school photos, Yalta hasn't got one, um, but I've got one of this one, um, because we, all, we both have big families, Yalta's one of six, I'm one of seven, so we, parents could not afford every uh, year a class photo. This is our last year in primary school. <laughs> okay, all right, I'm going to point out where Yalta is. So Yelta is over there, <laughs> and I'm just right behind them over there. Here we are. Anyway, that's us. So this was in our last year of high school, and obviously then we uh, of primary school, uh, we were going to high school, of course. Um, and I got a shock of my life that uh, Yelta was going to high school, but Pierke, that's my name, Pierke was going to the domestic science schools for girls because that's how our family works. You know, all the girls go to the domestic science school so she can learn to cook and to knit and all of that, all the domestic things, she would excel in that. And when I found out I had no say in the matter, I was told, that's where you're going to go. I was not happy at all because I love learning and all of that. And I think, oh, cooking and all of that. Anyway, but in those days, you know, you don't argue with your parents and you just, you just did. So I went to domestic science school, but there was something in me that said, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them that I can, I'm a good student. And I showed them for all those years in a row that I was a top student in all my classes. Yes. My parents were totally surprised, <laughs> totally, because they did not know what I was carrying. They were not aware who I really was, and they were totally surprised. They didn't think they had it in me. Anyway, in the end, I, I ended up in a, in a bakery shop, and I've been working there since I was 12, so I knew the, the shop and the bakery and all the orders. And I mean, I got very good in it. I was nearly running the place. I was 17. And on Saturdays, I had a really handsome young man who came to help me <laughs> to bring all the orders of cakes and more cakes and beautiful cakes, all distributed them all in our little wee town we live. And that was Yalta. I was, I was the boss of Yalta. <laughs> I was 17. I remember, um, I was 17, um, and I remember the first time, you know, we always prayed, we were at Christian schools and the whole works and church, but it was the first time I actually 
talk to God myself. And, and I still remember that moment. I was in the shop, and I said to God, if this is all my life is about, then I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> because I believed there was more to my life than just doing this. I didn't want to have a full stop, just like already when I was 17. And soon everything started to change, and I applied to do the nursing for a psychogeriatric, and uh, that created another upset in our family, because we don't leave before we get married. Uh, we have to stay home until we get married. So as girls, we were not allowed to leave home, or it has never happened in history. Nobody leaves home. Well, I said, I'm going. I was 17. My mom thought I was very rebellious and whatnot, but I just had to go because I just knew there was more to my life what I could see in front of me. And so um, it was a bit of an upset in my family, but I went anyway. And since then, my brothers and sisters and all of that, they could leave home before they got married. And so somebody, somebody just has to push the status quo. So then the next picture. So Yelta me got married in 74, yes. And um, we lived in a nice little, we, we lived in the middle in that door. Three houses, we lived in the middle. And this house was in summer, and this house was in the winter. How idyllic. It was for people who had a farm, and obviously it was for their workers. And the people in town were annoyed with them because we would, uh, outsiders coming into that little wee town, which has existed since 1300. So it's a really old town with old, old mindsets and things, how they do. So here we were as young people, we were still young, um, both nursing, really upsetting the status quo in this little wee town. And then they had a grocery shop, and um, you were all served one, one at a time. You had to, you know, what you wanted, and they would help you. It took forever, a uh, whole morning just to go grocery shopping. And so, and then they're all looking at me, and I said, mm-hmm, so you're the new one? Yes, I'm the new one. Um, we've heard that you are working. Yes, yes, I'm working. I'm working um, in a hospital. Well, that's no good. Because if your husband cannot provide for you, then, uh, then you should, should not have got married. That was the thing. And each time when I would go there on a Saturday or another day, so uh, what's the situation? Are you still working? Yes, I'm still working. And so they were so upset with us. You know, we upsetting the status quo in this little wee town. But you know what? After three years we were there, we got totally involved in it and, you know, got to know the people. And they actually got to know us. We were not that odd. We were not that, that strange. I got nominated to be on the village committee or board. Not at any time they had a woman uh, a woman on this board. I was the first one to step into that role in this little wee beautiful old school town because they knew, because they got to know the person. It's so much different when you got to know a person uh, 
you can trust them. And so when we decided to leave, uh, maybe all hell broke loose in that little wee town because they had so many plans for us. They had so many dreams for us. You know, what we could do and, you know, lead to town and all of that. But we believed we needed to go. They were devastated, so devastated that all the hope was in us because we were a young couple, you know, working and all of that. But it was not a full stop there either. There was a comma, and we had to move on. So when we decided to go to New Zealand, uh, we had another upset in our family because who leaves home? Who leaves Friesland? I mean, we come from a different part of, of the Netherlands, but, you know, we are very close, you know, we belong there, we are, you know, we are rooted there. How on earth can you leave and go to New Zealand? They were not happy with us at all. And they had meetings, Yalta's parents and my parents and their families, and oh, it was just, they made such a mess of it. But we just knew there was more to us than what we saw, what's in front of us. And so we left and we came to New Zealand. So today, you know, I'm just an ordinary, uh, an ordinary girl from a faraway country, but God took hold of me, you know, or I got hold of God, and it happened all here in New Zealand. That's why we needed to come here. And so today we, we're going to talk about an unnamed woman. And you know, uh, I'll just check if I got it right. Um, oh, there. there are 93 women mentioned in the Bible, but there are only 49 are called by name. And it doesn't mean that those other women were not important because they, they are in the Bible. But there is a whole lot of women who are so unnamed because they didn't think it was important in those days. But today we're going to lift up one of those women who is unnamed. And so I've um, chosen to, to name this message this morning, Upset the Status Quo. And hope you're going to do that to yourself. So we're going to read from Mark 5. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought... If I just touch his cloak, I will be healed. And immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt it in her body that she was freed from suffering. So here you got a woman. Um, obviously, nobody wanted to know, mention her name because she was marked. She was unclean. She was unworthy. Uh, that's how people knew her, because she had suffered already for 12 years. They, they knew of her. They knew they didn't know her, but they knew of her issue. They knew that she wasn't clean, that she, she was not allowed to touch anybody, and not even her family or things, because as soon as she did, it became unclean. And a tremendous suffering that isolated her, rejected at every level of society. She was avoided. She did not belong. 
She, she just couldn't fit in anywhere because her issue would define her. She went through a lot, a lot of suffering, a struggle and in pain that really nobody knew how bad it was. Imagine not being have that human touch for 12 years because there she would touch somebody and nobody, nobody would touch her. So she was defined by her illness. She had no children, no husband, um, and she searched out every remedy. If she had a hint of somebody had a, hint, a remedy or some kind of thing, she would go because she obviously really wanted to get well. She didn't want to have this issue. But to no avail, nobody was able to help her. It actually made her worse. So she spent a lot of money there. I mean, can you picture a life like that? She was just bleeding and dying inside because she was not recognized for who she was. She was defined by her issue. And she could be any other woman. Have you ever had an issue that's been sitting there so long or a problem that's been lingering around you and for whatever reason you cannot shake it, you cannot shake the dust and you can't move on? But it drains you. It takes a lot of energy because it, it dominates your thinking and it dominates how you do life. Sometimes people feel they're like a burden when they, they, they got an issue like that or a problem like that. You think that they're a burden to their family, they're a burden to their community. And, and in some way, we pull back. We pull back because we think we're not good enough or we're not worthy enough, we're unworthy. I mean, the, this, this woman with this issue, she thought she was totally unworthy, totally unworthy, and people not only said it, it made her feel like that. She was excluded. It was really hard, and it, and it started to affect every part of her life. She would be unemployable, she would have no children, no husband, nothing. But then she heard. Then she heard about Jesus. Then she heard that Jesus was a God who, who did miracles. She heard that, that Jesus uh, uh, restored people and, and set people free. You imagine there was not a social media thing in, in, in sight, nothing. But the, the, the good news traveled fast. It went through all the communities and to the streets and the, about this Jesus. And you can only imagine, as often she, she wanted to have hope in a remedy or a doctor or a person or whatnot, you know, you always have hope. Maybe this time, maybe this time it's going to help. And now there is Jesus. So there is, you know, hope arises again in her because she hears. You know, faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. And so when we have a glimmer of hope, it can build faith in us. Because faith is a substance that we hope for and what we can't see. 
So here she is, hope arising. As many times, maybe this time. But this time, she has to cross many barriers because there were many laws of, of her being so unclean, but you can read in Leviticus, that she was not allowed to be really in public and not allowed to touch anything. And, you know, people would, there she come and go away, just like that. How on earth would she be able to get to Jesus? And, you know, she stalked Jesus on broad daylight to get close to him. She said, you know, I'm not even going to ask him if I just could touch him. Just his cloak, not even touch him, but his cloak. If I could just touch him, if I just could. And then I'm, I will be healed. Because hope had arisen in her heart. Faith was building in her heart. And she believed that this Jesus that she heard about would be able to heal her. She was compelled to think different. And she was compelled to act different because she had to, to across many barriers for that able to happen. But Jesus had offered something that nobody else could offer her. So it was just a new thing. I don't know what your problem is or what your issues is. Some of our issues are quite in a public arena, and some of our problems are quite hidden. But we all got problems, and we all got issues to work on and to work through. We're not exempt for it. It is just life. But this unnamed woman in the crowd, you know, her issue defined her. And that was, people made her feel like that, that, that was the... the she, but the issue, that issue. But see, our issues does not define us. Your problem does not define you. And if you think it does, then I think that's not true. And then this happened. You know, she heard about Jesus. You know, can you imagine there was a crowd of people she had to go across you didn't want to say too loud, excuse me, because then they would think, who are you? So I don't know how she did it. But she found her way through the crowd to Jesus. She wanted to have his healing and touching his garment. You know, just prior to that, somebody else very important, it was a man, he was a ruler in a synagogue, and he was very important. People would just, mm-hmm, oh, there is Jairus coming. People on the side, he wants to talk to Jesus, make room. But nobody would make room for her. She had a lot of barriers to come across. Nobody would notice her. She was a nobody. And other, by, other people make out that we are a nobody. You know, and they are all lies, and they come from the father of lies. You know, when I started in Dunedin, you know, and became an intern with Pastor Bob, we were all guys. I was the only female to be an intern. And uh, it was fine. It was all good. 
because interns clean, you know? They clean the church and the toilets and everything like that. I mean, the church was just spick and span every week. Nobody had, um, nobody had anything to say about me being an intern because, you know, she does all the cleaning. Have a look. It's so tiny, you know. It's never looked better before. <clears throat> yeah, and then it was turned to do maybe a testimony. Peter, you can do a testimony. You know, it's part of learning. Okay, t testimony is quite, you know, it's quite accepted. You know, you, we all can do a testimony, and it's a privilege if we ask to do a testimony in front of church. But all hell broke loose when I started to preach. <clears throat> there was a lot of voices and a lot of opinions and more opinions and more opinions. And I can tell you, it was really, really hard. I think, this is a church. How come they can be so nasty? They don't really know me. Come and, and hang out with me. But it was quite a battle, I can tell you. And, you know, <clears throat> it was okay to, to working with youth, you know, and students. It's quite acceptable. It's okay. She's still in a corner. But then I became a social pastor. Can you imagine where all those noises and all those words came from, every corner and every level. And I just, I just thought, well, I just want to serve God. I, 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 I obviously, we all got a call of God, and I want to do my call and want to do it in such a way that honors God, but also honors people. It was a battle and a half. Quite often they called me Yelta because they thought that PJ was was Yalta. So it was more acceptable. And so they got us often confused because they really thought that Yalta was PJ. And oh. So we had to, no, 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 no. Anyway, I just thank God for Yalta, for believing in me, for upsetting the status quo at many times. Not because I wanted to, because the call of God did it. I didn't want to upset the status quo, but me being a woman and being a pastor, that on its own upset the status quo. Thank you for Yelta, always, I honor him, because people said, how do you, how, how do, you do that together? Oh, blah. Well, we just asked, we are a good team. We have no issues with that between us, but other people make it an issue, huge issue. I honor Pastor Bob and Margaret because they obviously saw there was more to me what people saw. And I thank them for that. But you know, there was times I felt so unworthy and so that I wasn't good enough and, uh, and listening to all those voices in the crowd. And I thought, well, you might as well have the whole shebang. I'm just going to be a cleaner because that's what I do well. But you know, there is something in us that is the call of God that rises above those storms, that need to, to, to rise above those storms and listen to that one and listen to Yalta 
and listen to Pastor Bob, those people who are really believed in you and has your interest and the call of God at heart. And you know what? I had to turn myself around and drown the voices of the crowd out. Maybe they were in my head. Many of, of those voices were in my head. But you have a choice. Because people all have an opinion that it might not necessarily be right for you. And that is so important that we know the voice of God in our lives. Because he is our steadfast. He is the one. And your life is not a full stop where it is today. Your life is a comma. So because there is more to your life what you see today. But if you think, oh no, all these barriers. Oh, I'm hitting the wall. Oh, people. There always will be people, okay? But the call of God goes beyond what people think. The call of God is sacred. You all carry it, and you all need to bring that to completion in your way. God says, you know, I have good works prepared for you in advance. Who needs to do it? You need to do it. Your works that God has prepared for you. And we all need to come home. And God said, well done. All the works that I had prepared for you, you did it. So don't let any issue or any problem or any barrier or, or a wall define you because that is not you. The you is, is in God, the call of God. So here have got this, this beautiful woman. We can so much learn how she busted through everything. The woman did not want no way to be noticed. She didn't want to be noticed because they, they, would, they would just shut her down and would say, just go away. And, and it would be... Jesus asked, who touched me? Which is in Luke 8. It says, after everyone denied touching him, Peter said, I'll teach you. People are crowding and pressing onto you. Say, Jesus, what are you on about? Everybody is just around you and touch you. No, no. Jesus said, somebody touched me because power has gone from me. That is the power of God that we have all access to, all. And the woman saw that she couldn't hide. And trembling, she quickly bowed down in front of him. And then in front of all people, she told why she touched him and how she was cured. Obviously, she wanted to remain unnoticed. But Jesus wanted her to come clean. She knew she was already healed. But Jesus asked her to come out, out of the hiding into the public. Why? To restore her. To restore her dignity. To restore that what she was worthy. To say that she was good enough. To restore her soul. You know, the, the Lord is my shepherd. He restores our soul. Even if you've got a physical healing, you know, you need to restore. Your soul needs to be restored in him. And so he, he honored her. He applauded her for her faith. Even was it that small, 
Maybe she had a tiny wee bit about Jesus, but he applauded her in front of the crowd and honored her in what he said. That, you know, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. If you think, you know, I've done this and I thought that and whatever, whatever you've done, whatever you've been or whatever you haven't done, or, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Jesus doesn't condemn you. Jesus wants you to come as you are. And Jesus wants to do the part that you can't do, but he came through the power of himself, the power of God. So when we go through barriers, he enables us to go through life and help us to overcome all these barriers and these laws that we make up in our own heads. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You know, everybody heard it because they were all listening to what Jesus was saying. Because Jesus was upsetting the status quo all the time. So they were hanging on his word. He said, go in peace and be healed for your disease. So what can we learn? We can think about faith a lot. You, can, you might even know all the verses in the Bible, but if you're not going to act about it, act upon your faith, then it is just dead. It's just words. So when we have faith in him, we need to trust him for things that we can't do ourselves or to trust that he will make a way, to trust that he is a miracle worker, that he is the way maker. He is. If I had listened to all these people in the crowd, and they're all nice people. I'm not taking him down or anything like that. But I started to listen to the one who called me. The plans that I have for you, they are for good, to give you hope in the future. And I just, just switched myself and to listen to him and what his word says about us. That's how I got through, by believing the word of God. She was so un unorthodox, which means not conforming to rules, traditions, or modes of conduct, or doctrine, religion, or philosophy, or your own way of thinking. She totally upset the status quo. The existing state of conditions, so when people upset the status quo, they are literally going against normalized patterns in your family, in your community, government, maybe in your own life, in your marriage. Sometimes you need to bust out. You do. Because what you see today is not everything about your life. There is more to your life what you see today. And that we believe that by faith. Not because we are so good and blah, 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 but if we believe God. Because where you are today, there is a comma. There is not a full stop. And I hope somebody helps that with that today. So if she had allowed all the failures of all going to these different people and said, well, I'm not going to do anything more. I'm, I'm done with it. I'm done. She would have never had her healing. Because she dared to believe that Jesus was able to do what nobody else could do. In order to achieve something you have never achieved, you must be willing to do something different that you had never done or believed. 
Yes? We all talk about change and we want this thing and that thing changed, but it starts with you and me. You have to start to believe. Or first to think. Believe. Or do something different that you haven't done before. Because otherwise, you will get the same thing. And you know what they call it? Insanity. You know that? That's insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. It's just insanity. We are not built for that. We are built with the Spirit of God in us and to able to, to extend, to extend our borders our influence, to accomplish everything what God has for us. You know, God is not attached to a particular way of speaking to you. If he has speaking to you in some way this, maybe a year ago or last year, he might not speak to you in the same way again. Because God is a creative God. You know, you know about Moses and the burning bush? Have you ever read again about a burning bush experience of people? No, I haven't. It was a one-off. It was just beautiful. And then they have these conferences of Burning Bush Conference, and I think, just cut it. God is far more creative. And I, 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 I did it myself. You know, God has spoken many times to me to dreams and visions and all of that. That's another story. And then I expect God to come again in a, in a dream, you know. I said, God, it's nearly time, you know. You should, you should reveal yourself. Give me a dream or something. No. He's not doing it. Because God always wants to do something new. He wants to do something new in you. He wants to speak to you in a fresh way for now, not from yesterday. Although, you know, it was good how it was then. But you need a fresh new word for now, and that's what it says in Isaiah, it says, I'm doing a new thing. I so believe that God wants to do a new thing in all of us. Now it springs up, but you don't perceive it, that I am making a way in the wilderness and stream in wasteland. You know, what we see today in your life, in our church, in our community, in New Zealand, this is not it. There is far more to accomplish for all these different layers of society. Far more. But he needs people like you and me to believe that God is actually able to do that. That God is able to show it to us. God is able, Father, to, to pull us to us, to lead us to more miracles, more salvations, transformation in New Zealand, whatever yours is. When I was a young person and well, that youth ministry, we had this dream, all those young people. One day, one high school will be totally saved. And we're praying and praying and praying. One day, one town, one city will be totally turned towards God. One day, one nation. It says that the nation can be dawn in a day. So God is, is able but it's all in a relationship with God. We need to be in full relationship with God the Father. Because it's in there. That is our highest relationships. Everything comes forth out of that.
you refuse to be tied down. This is by your issue or your problem or your circumstances, your restriction that society places on you, your, your, your family, sometimes marriage does that. And whether it's due to your gender, due to your race, due to your size, color, anything. Don't let your past dictate your future. But we need to break free. You need to be able to walk out of that prison. If you've got yourself a prison, just the door is open, okay? It's not that the door is closed. God says, come, just trust me. So that we are able people, a people of faith, a people of courage, a people who are dare. Hitting status quo, even if your own life and your marriage. I see marriages here. Come on. You need to be accomplished together so much more than God has you has now for you. There's always more to accomplish. I'm always grateful for Yalta because we are team. We are so to, we can work on our own, but we 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 are team. We have worked many years together in workplaces and churches and whatnot. We just love working together. Two is better than one because they got a better return. So remember, in order to achieve something you have never achieved, you must be willing to do something that you have never done or never thought of. So let God lead you to what that means for you today. So your life can be more what you see today. There is so much more to be accomplished.